just jump in because of time. So bring us lights up and let there be light. And, and <laughs> you know, um, okay, so baptism, this is kind of a fun day, and my clock just flipped on me. I was telling some baptism stories uh, last night at uh, Dave's party, and uh, so I'll let you in on the um, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. Baptisms always, uh, they seem like, you know, pretty simple stuff. It's not always simple because our um, water heater isn't large enough to fill that whole thing up with warm water, so we fill it up all the time, and then we stick an electric heater in it overnight, and, uh, you know, it's adjustable. So one, one year, um, I had put the heater in it overnight, and when I came in um, Sunday morning, the, uh, I noticed the breaker hadn't been flipped. So it was like cold, cold water, like lake cold water. So that wasn't cool. So I had all the ladies boiling pots of water down in the kitchen to kind of just bring it up to, to tepid. So that, that was good. Now, then there was another time I had the opposite. Um, I had stuck the heater in, but it was like turned up to 200 degrees. So when we came in the next day, all of the windows in here were fogged up. It was so hot, I could not get in touch in the baptistry. So I was sending people down to BP for bags of ice. I mean, we were like pouring it in, so that was, that was interesting. And then the third story, uh, not sure I should tell this, but, you know, when you get in, you get all wet, and so you bring an extra change of clothes. And one year, um, I, I had planned, I thought, really well. I brought dry socks and dry shirt and dry pants, and that was it. But I assure you, I am fully clothed today, so we are, we are good to go. Um, we have been in a, a series called Timeless, where we are just talking about, there are certain uh, things in our culture that are very, very trendy, political trends, clothing trends, technology trends, all of those things, but we're talking about things that are timeless over these uh, f- six weeks or so, um, and we've talked about uh, the scriptures, we've talked about God, we've talked about Jesus, I encourage you to, to go to the website and catch up on those, but today, because we were doing baptism, I thought I would talk about baptism a little bit. Now, in polite company, you never talk about two things, politics and religion, right? And uh, if you watch the news, it's, it's interesting, they interview people who um, have very clearly defined and very passionate opinions about different issues, but if you listen very long, it doesn't take you long to realize they have no idea what they're talking about, and the less they know, the louder they are often, and so that goes for both sides of the aisle, and you sort of watch people do interviews, and there's a sense of, hey, don't mess me up with the facts, I have an opinion, and this is what I'm confident of, and, and that they share it, and the more dependent they become on the emotion the less they are dependent on truth and common sense oftentimes. Well, the same thing is true with religious topics. And there are certain topics regarding faith that elicit strong emotions, even if they're not connected to much information or fact. Years ago, my my dad, when he was speaking on a regular basis, was invited to uh, do like a a week-long series of meetings and uh, speaking in a church down south. And uh, he got up the first night and he preached using uh, the New International Version of the Bible. This was the early 80s. And then after the service, he was approached by several gentlemen from the church that said, basically, son, you better use a King James from now on or you can go home, right? Because, like, it's a different Bible or something. And then that's, that was sort of an interesting take. Um, then <laughs> one year, years ago, 
And uh, I was approached by a woman in our church who had some real concerns about the marriage of another couple in our church. And, and so as a pastor, you know, I wanted to, to find out what was going on and if there was some way that I could bring some information to bear that, that perhaps would lead to some good decisions. And so I asked this lady, I said, so what is it that concerns you about this other couple? Now, neither of these families still attend here, so I can tell the story. But she said, well, I have heard that she doesn't cook him dinner. <laughs> All right, well, there go half the marriages in our church, right? I mean, so anyway, did I just say that out loud? All right. And then, of course, you know, as, as a pastor, I run into people at, you know, Walmart or B-dubs or, or wherever that don't go to church at all, but they all know exactly how to run a church, and they feel free to tell me all the time. And it's interesting because it's not always connected with reality. But anyway, so today's topic, um, 99% of you have an opinion on this, and that is we're going to be talking about baptism. And, uh, you know, whether you've been faithful church attender of the years or not, you absolutely have an idea about how it should happen and how it doesn't happen. And, and, and it's weird a little bit because we're devoted to the way we were raised, even if we don't live the way that we were raised, but we're still emotionally linked to our, our backgrounds. And so, um, you know, you don't want anyone to stand up and, and say that the way that you have believed over the years or your parents or your priest or your pastor from years ago was any way wrong. So let's just put the past on the side for about 30 minutes and uh, you can write me emails later and we'll get that all fixed. But I, ha- I have two goals today. Uh, one is to talk about why we do baptism the way we do because different churches do it differently. And then secondly, talk about what baptism actually means. Uh, what are the significant ramifications from Scripture? And so uh, what we're going to do, and I've said this throughout this series, these are not really sermons like we are thinking of sermons typically in terms of inspiring us and motivating us to go do things differently, but these are really more just straight-on teachings that we can understand from the Scriptures uh, to change our perspectives on certain things, uh, especially as we're, I, I'm wrapping up my time at North Hills. I just want to lay out for you what the Scriptures say on certain topics so that there is clarity. Um, I want to begin with just a simple definition. Now, let me go back and say that we have been throwing... Um, inserts in the bulletin that have had all the scriptures. So today, I'm not adding an extra insert. We're just going to use the baptism insert for much of what we do today. So that's, you know, I'm not going to throw up all the verses. You have them printed out for you uh, right there. But let's start with a simple uh, understanding of the word baptism. This book here is the uh, Liddell and Scott Greek and uh, lexicon, this is just for you nerds out there who kind of like some of the understanding. All this is, this is not a religious book. This is not even a Christian book. Uh, but this simply examines the nature of the Greek language from the time of Socrates, which is about you know, pre-New Testament. And then they track the language and the usage of Greek words through New Testament time. So again, it's not a religious book. It is not even a Christian book. This is just plain old scholarship linguistic study. And as you look into this book, the word baptism, or it actually in Greek reads this way, baptizo, shows up. And the, the unfortunate part is when this word baptizo showed up in the original Greek writings that we have as the New Testament, the translators chose not to translate it. They just brought it in an English version into the, the New Testament. So whenever the word, Greek word, baptizo shows up, and you read it in English, it now says baptism. <clears throat> but what does that mean? 
So if you actually go back to what the word meant, not in a religious context, the word baptizo simply means to dip, to dunk, to immerse, to submerge, to uh, put underwater. In fact, throughout that period of time, uh, it was a word used of ships that were sunken in battle, right? If you sink a battleship, you sink my battleship. It was baptizoed. Uh, it, it talks used of the people who drowned. It's used of a person who is head and shoulders in debt, right? If, if they are drowning in debt, they are baptizoed in debt. It was used of dipping a cup into wine. It was used of dyeing cloth. You baptizo the cloth and the dye. Uh, it was used of swimming, of bathing. Consistently throughout the New Testament period, this was simply a word used that meant dipped or dunked or drowned or immersed in some type of liquid. Why? Because that's what it means. It is not a religious word. It just simply means to dunk. And then, in fact, this is interesting, about 200 years B.C., uh, a Greek poet named Nicander, or Nicander, however you want to pronounce it, um, we actually have found and surfaced, uh, he, he had a recipe on how to make pickles. And uh, the way he says to make pickles is to baptize the vegetables. You take the vegetables and you baptize them for two weeks. So I don't know if that's what we should have done up here, but the outcome would probably be different, right? And um, so again, it's not a religious word. It just means to dip or to dunk. There wasn't specifically any spiritual connection to it at all. You just baptize the vegetable for two weeks and it comes out of pickle. But the, the point is, This is just a common, everyday word with no religious context whatsoever. But by the time we get to the New Testament, people begin using this common, everyday, non-religious word to describe something they saw religious people doing, but they didn't have any word for. In other words, by the New Testament, you had these Jewish people who believed in this guy named Jesus who was a Messiah, and they were confident. And imagine, okay, let's go backwards a little bit. Imagine if you were just a Roman citizen, and you were married to somebody, and you guys had the Greek gods floating around, you had Zeus, and you know, you go on down the list, and and you were living in Rome at the time, and because you were a merchant, you thought, you know what, there's great uh, economic opportunity over in some outlying uh, areas, so you moved to Jerusalem, and then you meet all of these people there who believed in one God, and that was just sort of weird, and uh, they were very, very conservative, and they were serious about life, and their marriages last, and they were very pure people, and, and you were just drawn to that. So you start talking to your husband or your wife, and you know, maybe we should think about uh, you know, getting into that because our system doesn't really work for us. And it was a very loose system. The, the Greek and Roman God system was just very loose. There wasn't much to it uh, other than it didn't really impact your life. But these people, it was making a difference for them. And uh, so, you know, if you're a guy, you, you, you talk to some of your business partners who are Jewish and, and you know, how, how does one become Jewish? And they're like, well, you know, the first thing, and, and that's sort of a big step. And so now I know who grew up in church. Um, <laughs> So, you know, and then you got to learn this law, and you have to eat a little bit differently, and, and so you're intrigued, and you go home, and you talk to your wife, and you say, you know what, maybe, maybe we should think about becoming Jewish, and honey, it's going to be easier for you, but, you know, we've got this uh, opportunity before us, and, and you s- ask them, and they say, well, and then there's this ritual washing thing that you do, and, and typically people would get into a cistern, and it was something in, the, in Jewish tradition that they would do to them, themselves, and uh, so you, you talk through this, and people, as they watched this, began calling that ritual washing, and they would use the word that meant wash or to dip. 
to, to baptize. That's what they were, they didn't really understand what it was, but you know, you were dunking people. And, and so, so they used that to symbolize this dying to your Gentileness, your non Jewishness, and then becoming Jewish. And so, lots of religious meaning got attached to this simple word, even though it wasn't a religious word to begin with. Does that make sense? That's where this word comes from. In fact, even sometimes there are other words associated with that. But anyway, then this very unusual thing happened. Uh, perhaps if, if you're still in that story, you, you go down to the river one day because your wife's washing some clothes down there, and then you hear this guy shouting at the top of his lungs. He's a bit strange. He's dressed in some camel hair. He's eating some honey and some locusts, and he just had this simple message, hey, everybody, you need to repent. You know, the Messiah is coming. He's greater than I am. I'm not even fit to tie his shoes. He's the Lamb of God. There's one coming after me. Uh, it's not me. He's better than me. And, and so many, many Jews were convinced that his message was right, and you saw them one by one walking down into the water with this guy, and then he would wash them. Now, in recorded history, this is the first time that we'd seen this. Like, prior to this, in the Jewish traditions, it would be something that you would do yourself. It would be a self-performed um, ritual. But now, this guy, he was like um, putting people under the water. And so, he got named John the Washer. And, you know, it's like John the Dunker, John the, you know, and John the Baptizoer. Because that's what he was doing. He was just dunking people in the water. So John the Baptist did something that we never had found recorded anywhere in history before, where he was the one baptizing them on behalf of a message that they had come to agree with and wanted to align themselves with. As people listened to him preach and said, you know what, I believe what he's saying. I'm in agreement with that. I want to align my life with that. I want my friends to see this, you know, what I'm doing. And so I'm going to let him dunk me to show that I am in agreement with and fully believing what he's saying. And since he was the only one doing it, he got the nickname. And it wasn't a last name. Now, there are actually some other Greek words that mean sprinkling. And one of those is rain-o. I mean, that's a bad kind of English version of the Greek word. Perhaps it's where we get our word rain but in fact, it's all over the Bible when they would sprinkle blood on the altar. There would be like Reno on the altar, not liquid Reno. Well, I guess it would be liquid Reno. But anyway, so, but when they described it to John, right, John wasn't called John the Rainower. He was John the Baptizer because it simply meant to dunk. Now, there's also uh, places in, in the New Testament where the word baptizo shows up, but it's not even translated as baptism. It's translated as washing. One time Jesus is talking with the Pharisees, and there was a discussion about they didn't follow the Jewish traditions of washing before the meal. And it's actually the word baptizo. Well, why didn't the translator say, you know, you should get baptized before the meal? Well, because over the centuries that took on a different connotation. It simply meant in the, the ritual washing from the elbow to the, to the forearms, you would dip into a cistern, and you would have to wash before the meal. You would baptize your arm before the meal. So... Perhaps you're thinking, well, Mr. Seth, if you're so smart, um, then why is my entire denomination that I grew up with? Or, or years and years of scholarship maybe have a different take on that. Why, why do you guys do it this way, way here? Because, you know, 
my tradition, we christen children, and, and that's good enough for us, and should I just forget it because of you in some Greek dictionary? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So, so what are you trying to say here? And I, and I could explain maybe where that tradition got started but, and why some denominations sprinkle, but I'm not going to do that. You just get mad at me. But um, if it's a big deal to you, and perhaps it is, and it's very emotional, you know, just take, you know, send your parent or your priest or your friend or your uncle to our website after today, and they can listen to this message and get their take, because the answer lies in what was happening in church history at the time that the church moved to sprinkling away from baptizoing in an effort to align people with the message of Jesus. But again, uh, if I told you you think I was making the whole thing up just to justify what we do, but my point is that in Scripture, it just teaches immersion, and so that is what we do. And we're not alone. There are many, many other churches uh, doing that. So perhaps you're thinking, well, okay, well, if that's true, then did mine count? That's a good question, but the reality is the answer doesn't specifically lie in what happened to you. The answer is more about what happened in you. And, and so what meaning is attached to baptism, and, and what is it that changed internally for you has more to do with whether yours counted, however it happened. And uh, again, but it simply According to the word, sprinkling water on the head is not baptism, nor is swimming in a lake baptism. Um, baptism, it's what happens in you associated with a ritual that has meaning to it. So what is the significance of it? What is the meaning of baptism and what happens internally? Why does Jesus command us to do this ritual? Um, every time a person in the New Testament became a Christian, you know what they did? They got baptized, and so clearly it has some meaning in the eyes of Jesus. So here's where we're going to pick up the, the insert, and we're just going to go right on down through it, and I'm looking at my clock here. Okay, so we will try to keep on track here. I just want to ask the first and simple question, why should I be baptized? I mean, that's, that's a valid question. There are denominations who say, well, because it's not like magic water, a person doesn't even need to be baptized because you're saved by faith, so you just believe, and that's good enough, and nobody really needs to be baptized anyway. Well, I would just step back from that position, and I would say that there is a reason that we should be baptized, a couple of reasons. One is to follow the example set by Christ. And we have there in Mark, uh, it says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the river. And I'm reading those verses from the insert that you have, so you'll be able to take this with you. So Jesus himself was baptized as a model or as an example for us. But secondly, even if that's not enough for you, Jesus commanded that we get baptized. At the very end of his ministry in Matthew 28, Jesus said to his disciples, this is right before God was going to take him to heaven, and this is kind of a last ditch, here's what you need to do, this is their commission. Jesus says, go then to all people everywhere and make them my disciples. In other words, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So Jesus says, hey, I'm out of here pretty soon, and so your job is to go teach people what I've been teaching and baptize them, and then command or obey every, have them obey everything that I commanded. And so I guess that brings us to the third point there, is that it demonstrates I really am a believer. In Acts 18, it says, many of the people who heard him believed and were baptized. Why were they baptized? Because they believed. They, they became a believer. In 1 John, John says, who was very close friends with Jesus, he says, we know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. And one of his commands was, go baptize people, right? So it demonstrates that you are really a believer. It, it, that would be, I guess, to work the other angle, it would be hard to say that, oh yeah, I'm totally with Jesus, I just don't do what he says, right? 
It's a little bit like your children. But anyway, so, so what does baptism mean, though? I mean, what, what, what's the dunking, submersion, dip under thing? What, what does that represent? If there's a represent, representative nature, a, a symbolic nature to it, what does it represent? And what does it symbolize? Well, one, it illustrates Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, okay? Uh, reading out of the Scriptures, it says, Christ uh, died for our sins, He was buried, and He rose again. And more specifically, the connection to baptism, I mean, that's just true about Jesus, but connecting that to baptism in Colossians, Paul says, for when you were baptized, you were buried with Christ, and in baptism, you were also raised with Christ. So you see that there's a very real symbolic nature to this morning when Cody and Vicky, you know, said, we, we buy into the Jesus thing, we're choosing to align with him, we want our lives to be with him. So then they were buried under the water or under baptism, and they were raised to a new life. And so scripture even says that when you come to faith in Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. So there is a symbolic nature, just as Jesus was buried and put under the ground and three days later God raised him from the dead to a new life and he was made immortal. In the same way, we are buried with Jesus and we're raised with him in baptism. So that's a, that's a very simple understanding. But secondly, it also illustrates my new life as a Christian. In Romans, Paul says to this group of believers, he says, By our baptism then, we were buried with him and shared in his death. In order that... So again, when you're baptized, you are putting away your old self. You're saying, I want the way I used to live to be done. I am no longer wanting to be the person I was. I want to be something, someone new. He says, In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, so also we may live a new life. Now again... Time and time again, when I talk to people who, who are baptized and then they continue in the faith and they continue to learn and they continue to obey what Jesus commands, you know, it's like they wake up a year later and they're like, my friends would not recognize me today. I mean, if my friends who knew me in high school saw me now, they wouldn't even know that I was the same person. Why? Because you are living a new life from what you used to live. It was interesting, when I had been at North Hills, oh, maybe two or three years, so I'd only been out of high school about, I don't know, six or seven years at that point, um, I had an old high school friend ask me if I would come to his wedding in Chicago. And, uh, and so I said, well, yeah, sure, that would be cool. So I went back to Chicago, and I, we grew up outside of Chicago, not in Chicago, but um, I was doing the wedding, and a bunch of, of our old high school friends you know, showed up, and I found out later that you know, Tim, one of my friends, said to somebody else, saw me up there doing the ceremony, he's like, is this legal? right? Why? Because they knew me in high school. And uh, so hopefully I'm a little bit different now. I'm bald. So anyway, um, so as we go down, uh, baptism, understand this, baptism doesn't make you a believer, but it shows that you already believe, right? Again, it's not a magical incantation. You know, we put something in the water. You know, if there's anything to be nervous about the water here at North Hills, it's you might have babies, right? I mean, we went through that. So we got a new water softener. Anyway, so, but it's not baptism that saves you. You're saved by faith in Jesus. But your baptism is linked to the salvation process. It's a strange little theological dance because your baptism symbolizes the obedience to Jesus, even though it's not that obedience that saves you. And here's why I would say that. In Ephesians 2, 
Paul says it's by grace you have been saved, right? Through faith. It's the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. In other words, it's not you saying, you know what, well, I'm going to check off the mark and I'm going to do the thing because that's the magic incantation that makes me saved. Because Paul says, no, 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 it's God's grace that saves you, not something you do. Because if it's something you do that makes you saved, then you could kind of boast about that. So, coming back to the actual dunking, why is it that we do it by immersion? We talked about what the word itself means, but very simply because Jesus was baptized that way. That would be an answer to why we do it this way. Matthew 3 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, which meant that he was first down in the water, right? And secondly, we do it this way because every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. Every time you find someone that gets baptized. Here's just an example. In Acts 8, both Philip and the man went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, right? And we talked about the word baptize actually means to dip under. And again, thirdly or fourthly, I guess, immersion best symbolizes burial and resurrection. And so, 2 Corinthians, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. The old life has passed away, and a new life has begun, right? So that's why we do it that way. Now, I guess there's another question. Well, Seth, then who should get baptized? Well, the answer is very simple and very clear. Every person who believes in Christ and his teaching. There's no exceptions. If you believe in Jesus, you ought to be baptized. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, right, the disciples were out preaching, and those who believed and accepted his message were baptized. So it's not just somebody who goes to church and says, I go, but it's somebody who goes and actually believes that Jesus is the Son of God and that his death pays for our sins. Acts 8, again, here's just another example. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Uh, Acts eight twelve. but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What you'll find through these verses and throughout all of the New Testament is that belief always comes before baptism, which makes sense because there's no use baptizing someone who doesn't believe, Right? And if you believe and you refuse to get baptized, how much do you really believe? So there's an interesting dance that happens there between belief and baptism. So if everybody who believes that Jesus is the Son of God should get baptized, well, when should that happen? You know, I, I know some churches are like everybody has to wait till they're 12. Like there's some magic mark there, perhaps I think connected to the uh, Jewish tradition of that's when you become an adult. But we're not Jewish. And so it really has to do individually with what a person believes and how much understanding they have, right? So my four-year-old can see somebody get baptized but may not have the understanding of what that really means. I was eight when I got baptized. Well, do I know more now than I did when I was eight? Absolutely. Do I have a more full understanding of what uh, is necessary to live a Christian life and to trust in God and what that means? Absolutely. But when I was eight, I knew that the alternative to not getting baptized was not as good as the alternative of getting baptized. And I knew that it was a need to have Christ pay for my sins. So Cody, does he understand everything? Absolutely not. But as I talk with him, he clearly understands that sin, how do you say it, is the pieces of the bad, bad little pieces inside. That, that comes from junior church, and Stacy showed a video and how sin kind of eats us away from the inside, and et cetera, et cetera. But he clearly understands that sin is something that corrodes us from the inside, and it's Jesus that takes it out. 
and that he's promised to make things right again, right? So will he understand more? Absolutely. Will he come to a more full understanding? Absolutely. Even Vicky, your understanding over time, and, and I liked how you said, I'm not getting baptized you know, to save myself again. I was saved, but it's sort of a renewing of your vows because your understanding is different. That's not something that Scripture calls us to, but it's certainly something, if it's meaningful to you, it is okay. So who, when should you be baptized? I would answer that as soon as you believe. Some churches you know, say, if you want to be baptized and you've got to come in and there's a 13-week class you're going to go through to understand all of the doctrines. I don't even think that's important. I mean, do I think doctrine is important? Absolutely. But you don't have to know everything to know something, right? And so in Acts 2, it says, those who believe were baptized that day. And I love the story in Acts 8. And maybe I should have put this up, but I think I've got it printed for you. Philip was a disciple of Jesus, and he's traveling down the road, and he meets a guy on the road who was from Ethiopia. He had access to an old Jewish document, uh, it was not even the whole Old Testament, he just had the scroll of the book of Isaiah, a prophet. He had some questions because he didn't understand everything he was reading. How many of you have read parts of the Bible you just didn't understand what they meant? Right? Okay, so you, you, people like you, just in the Bible. So Philip began with the scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along, they came to some water, and the man said, well, look, here's water. Why should I be baptized right now? And Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the man answered, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. There was no 13-week membership class. There was no you know, further education. It was like, buddy, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, let's do this thing, right? Um, so there's no reason to delay, and sometimes people think, well, you know, my life is still messed up. <laughs> if you wait till you're perfect, buddy, you ain't never getting baptized. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality. Now, let me move into just some, some final thoughts um, on baptism and, and maybe get away from just sort of the pragmatic, you know, how to do it type of things. A couple of things that I want to leave you with today is, is you understand what baptism not just means in the physical representation of the burial and resurrection and, and all those things, but here's a couple of other things, and I, I'll put these up. One, baptism, you got that, Eric, or is that crashed on us? Okay, baptism identifies you with Jesus. You got that? Yeah. Baptism identifies you with Jesus. Uh, we go back to the story of John the Baptist. And people were baptized in the teachings of John the Baptist. And it's interesting because they identified with John the Baptist. Later, some of them were baptized then into Jesus. So they were baptized into John the Baptist, later baptized into Jesus, because it means you're identifying with the teachings of the person in whom you're getting baptized. Some people were baptized into Judaism because they identified with it. They were swearing their allegiance to Judaism. But the same happens when a person is baptized into Jesus. It's basically going public with the decision to identify yourself and your commitments and your uh, priorities and your beliefs and your value systems with those of Jesus Christ, to say, I'm with him, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not ashamed if people know that I'm a Christian, I'm not ashamed if people know that I believe that what he said was right. You know, there's that interesting story in, in Acts 19. There were a few guys that had heard John the Baptist preach. They were convinced that what he was saying was right. They had gotten baptized by John the Baptist, and they head out across the Mediterranean to share what they learned. I mean, they were excited about what John the Baptist had taught them. And meanwhile, while they're out there, because what they had learned from John the Baptist was before Jesus showed up on the scenes, they're out there preaching all this stuff that John the Baptist had said, and while they're out there, Jesus shows up as the Messiah. And he comes, and he lives, and he dies, and you know, he's raised from the dead, and he's taken to heaven, and that whole thing happens back in, in Jerusalem 
while these guys are out there preaching what John the Baptist had been teaching them. And they hadn't gotten the message yet. Well, years later, Paul runs into these guys as he's out taking the message of Jesus around and, and, and says to them, well, hang on, the guy you're talking about that's going to come, he already came. Because they're out there saying, oh, Messiah is going to come, but he already came. And Paul says, you know, listen, let me explain to you what Jesus taught, what he did, why he died, and that God took him. And now the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, we want some of that. So we want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. They'd already been baptized into John, and here it is years later. So they got baptized into Jesus, right? And, and Paul says, but you're already baptized in, in, into John. And they said, yeah, 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 but we want to publicly identify with Jesus and his teaching. So, so Paul baptizes them in the name of Jesus. So anyway, baptism is essentially, it, it, it's a coming out party. It's going public with your faith, saying, I don't care who knows. Uh, this, you know, if, if they ask a question and point to my past, I'm going to say, yeah, isn't it great what Jesus did for me? I mean, I was a terrible person, and I'm just a terrible person now that's forgiven, you know, and, and I'm just trying to, to do better. And that's what baptism does. It identifies us with Jesus. But secondly, baptism, of course, symbolizes the death and resurrection. I don't camp here a whole long time, but you had an old life, and hopefully, you know, you're coming alive to a new life. Let's go to number three, and we'll save a couple minutes here. And I want to camp on this a, a, a little bit. Baptism is not what saves you. Um, outside, uh, it's an outward symbol of something that's already happened in you. And, and here's why I want to build this case a little bit. I want to give you some evidence of two things, perhaps, to consider regarding this. One, and we kind of glossed over this at the beginning, but Jesus was baptized. Make sense? Jesus didn't need saving. Jesus didn't have any sin, right? So it's not baptism itself that saves you. And here's another one. How about the thief on the cross? We all know that story right? Um, he was never baptized. Here they are, they're hanging out one day, and uh, thank you. See, I'm so glad I'm here today. Um, you know, the thief says to Jesus, hey, you know what? You know, you're the Messiah. I, I believe that you are, and, and when you come back in your kingdom, would you remember me? And Jesus turns to him and says, too late, buddy. You need to be baptized. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I tell you the truth today, I'll remember you when I come. Yeah, yeah, but the thief says, what about baptism? No, he doesn't even ask that. So, and, and here's another thing to consider. Jesus never baptized anybody. Did you know that? Jesus never baptized a single person. He delegated that to other people. He commanded his disciples to do it. It was important to him. But Jesus came to save the lost, and he never baptized anybody. So did he save nobody? No, because it's not baptism that saves you. So what saves you? It's your faith in God through Jesus Christ. Again, going back to Ephesians, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. It is not what we do, it is who we trust that makes all the difference. And I need to throw this one in because this trips up a lot of people. Um, baptism is not about joining a church either. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get baptized in this church and go attend another church and get baptized in that church and another church and go baptize. You know, I grew up in churches, uh, you know, where baptism and membership were linked. You know, if you became a member here, you had to get baptized here. It's like you were getting baptized in a church, not into Jesus, you know. Um, 
So, and, and, and then in other churches, it was weird, if you got baptized, you were like automatically a member. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, well, I don't even like the church, I just like Jesus, right? And can I like get baptized into Jesus and leave you guys, you know? So anyway, I, I hope that's not a church you stay in. But anyway, baptism is really just about a person trusting Jesus with their salvation and going public with it. It's not really about membership at all. So, <laughs> leads us to the question, if you've gotten baptized in a different way, did mine count. And if you're christened by a baby, as a baby, you know, and I know this is an emotional thing, I just need to say up front, you weren't baptized because baptized means dunked. Now, it was a very meaningful event. Your parents dedicated you to God. There was spiritual significance there. And, and, and maybe at that point, um, they believed that christening you made you a Christian, you know, and, and if I believe that, then I would christen my babies as well. But your parents, and let me just say this, they were doing what they thought was right. They were doing it out of love for you. And, and it probably even helped them focus on being better parents because it was in their heart to raise you to follow Jesus. So I would never discount the importance of that event. right? In fact, here we even dedicate babies. We don't christen them, but we dedicate them. It's an important time for the family, and we pray for the parents to raise their children. But it's not baptism. Because baptism means to dunk. And that decision was made by your parents, not by you. And baptism hinges on the decision of a person to follow Jesus in their own heart, right? It's about trusting Jesus and dedicating our own lives and willing to say to the world, hey, I'm ready to go public with this decision. I want to align myself with Jesus Christ. And and baptism represents you dying to your old life. (laughs) As a baby, I don't know how much that represents. And wash in the blood of Jesus and your sin is forgiven and it's a promise of the future resurrection. And, and I love doing baptisms in our church. They're so much fun. I hope you had fun today. I love seeing the videos. I love hearing the stories of faith. You know, because if you're not a Christian and you hear some of those stories, there's part of those stories you probably identify with. And if you're not a Christian, I'd love to help you take that next step. Or maybe you've been a believer a long time and you've just never taken that step. I'd love to help you do that. So after the service, I'll hang out a little bit, and uh, as we normally do, and if, if you're interested, you know, I had someone come up to me today and say, hey, you know what, I think maybe in a couple weeks I'd like to take that step. I'd be happy to talk. And, uh, but do I have to do the video? Everybody's nervous. Raise your hand if you've done a video here. Okay, now, you what? Yeah. Raise your hand if you were nervous to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've often thought I should just put together a blooper reel. And, uh, you know, I've still got all the footage. Maybe we'll do that on my last Sunday here. You'd be like, it is your last Sunday. Out. But, okay, so I always strongly encourage. Now, I would never let that get in the way of somebody coming to Jesus or not. I mean, you understand that. But I always strongly encourage it. And, and, and here's why. Because in the moment that you share your story of faith here in front of 100 people, that's more than you will share your story of faith in the next five years, would be my guess, right? And your story of faith matters. In that two or three minute window, that's the point of your entire life, is to share what you believe with the world. And you never know what God's going to do in the heart of somebody hearing your story. You just don't know what hangs in the balance. And the video is a great way to go public in a big way. 
But then I always get another question. Well, Seth, I don't have much of a story. My, my story is like everybody else's. That's the point. That's exactly the point. Dozens of people who you've never met, who you may not ever cross lives with, compare notes. It's not like we all got our stories straight together. It's that basically God does the same thing in life after life after life after life, and whatever he's doing in your life, he'll do in someone else's life as well. Now, how do you explain that? God, duh, right? I mean, it's one of those things that how does that happen? Every time you hear a story up here, you know what? If, if you've heard all of these stories, they eventually start to fall into certain categories. It's like, oh, you know, my life was terrible and now my life is good. Or, oh, I used to be this way. Or how about this? Oh, I grew up in church and never really meant anything to me, but now my faith is different, right? You ever hear that story? That's because that's what happens. Or, you know what? I, I was never really connected to church and then I met this person who invited me right? Or, or then my grandma. Or, you know, I mean, the stories just go on and on and on, and that's because that's how God does it. That's why your regular, normal, not exciting story matters, because it's like watching those, it's like, yep, there goes God again at working someone else. So now, and then just one last thing, one, one other great thing about baptism. There are really only two things that connect us with generations and generations and generations of Christians down through the centuries, right? Baptism is one of those things. And maybe why that's the reason we're also committed to communion. Because it's communion and baptism. The only two rituals that Jesus really set up for us connects us with believers down through the centuries. And every time somebody sees somebody dunked in the name of Jesus... They're connected with millions and millions of Christians over the centuries who have all shared the same ritual washing. That's why we have missionaries in India and the Philippines and Pakistan, in all heavily Muslim areas, very dangerous to associate with Jesus Christ, to go public with your faith, and yet these precious people are going public with their faith, risking their very lives to do what we do here in an innocuous ceremony that we sometimes lose the significance of, but you're connected with those people who are risking their very lives to associate with Jesus Christ. And when you're baptized, you're connected to them all over this world. That's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. And I don't want you to miss it. And I don't want your kids to miss it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for making it simple. Thank you for making salvation free. For those here today and they're interested, maybe they have some questions or some fears, I just pray that you'd move them across the finish line and be willing to go public. And thank you for the baptisms today. Help us as a church family, help them grow in their faith. There's so much more to, to do and to see and to become. We thank you for your son taking the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf so that we might have the promise of a new life in you and promise of a resurrection to come. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.